0: Hey all you cool cats and kittens, this is Gabriella Hoffman here with episode 76 of District of Conservation. Two things that are going to be discussed in this episode. I'm going to largely dedicate a good chunk of this episode to my thoughts and observations from watching the Tiger King documentary that has just been so widely talked about and discussed and since there are actually conservation law implications and just this dynamic between two warring factions... I'm going to explore that more and kind of how i feel as a outdoor writer, uh, what i can take away and what you should take away from it and then i'm going to talk about how firearm manufacturers and ammunition companies have just been labeled by the dhs the department of homeland security essential critical infrastructure workforce businesses meaning that they can operate in our deemed essential businesses in the wake of the global coronavirus pandemic the tiger king documentary on netflix has really taken social media by storm, especially because people are practicing self-isolation. They're in quarantine and it's something really interesting and thought provoking and crazy. And we as Americans live for this stuff and it's been a topic of discussion. I heard a lot about the hype from several friends in the outdoor industry, namely Jana Wall, Joe Candilis, who's a past guest here, and the president of the Western Bear Foundation, my friend Alan Luck, also from the American Sport Fishing Association, who came on. All three of them talked up a great deal about this documentary, pointing out how crazy, interesting, kind of captivating it is and I watched it. I normally don't binge watch programs whatsoever. It's not in my nature to do so. I'm probably an unusual millennial in that respect, but just seeing what people were posting about it, I will say and admit that the memes kind of brought me in and just the discussion of the legal situation that has kind of sprung about from that. And just this discussion about the private ownership of big cats, especially endangered or threatened big cats and exotic species is really interesting. And I figured I would dedicate a little bit of time on the podcast to that. There will be some spoilers in this discussion about the Tiger King. I won't give away too much because I think it's important you watch the documentary if you are interested, but you may hear a little bit of spoilers uh, from the forthcoming discussion. Basically what Tiger King centers around are two central figures, both of whom have partaken in the sale of big cats, namely exotic species like tigers. One character focused who perhaps has drawn a lot of sympathy, interestingly enough, is the guy from Oklahoma named Joe Exotic, who is actually currently in jail uh, for 22 years for violating numerous provisions of the Endangered Species Act and also the Lacey Act. So the Endangered Species Act of 1973 prohibits uh, different actions relating to obviously hunting, extracting, selling exotic species, especially those that are threatened or endangered. And then the Lacey Act of 1900 prevents the sale of wildlife species, whether for game consumption or for just commercial use, unless you are certified and you're, let's say, a zoo and you're trying to obtain uh, animals that way. So from a conservation standpoint, from a policy standpoint, uh, given the revelations that uh, that gentleman is facing a lot of jail time and currently is sitting in prison and actually interestingly enough in an odd twist, I should say he's actually seeking a pardon from President Trump of all people and is uh counter suing for ninety four million dollars uh, You see throughout the documentary that he perhaps originally was really concerned and in it for the right reasons, and then perhaps greed and fame consumed him, and he started to. Uh, submit to very bad behavior, obviously, and engage in this kind of very questionable sale of Tiger Cubs. Alternatively, you have his nemesis, Carol Baskin, who runs the big cat rescue out of Tampa, Florida. And she is quite suspicious because a lot of people are convinced that she murdered her husband and fed him to wild cats. And it's just so bizarre. Just, I don't know how verifiable that is, but that's kind of a running rumor that uh, she had something to do with her second husband's disappearance and she also currently runs the big cat rescue operation with her third husband who throughout the documentary, you see when they get married, she has him on a leash. It's really weird. There's some weird dynamic and uh, it's centered around these two people who fight against one another. This guy, Joe exotic is very eccentric and pretty crazy. And he hires someone to murder his rival uh, because He fears that she has taken away stuff, that she has essentially taken the lion's share of big cats. And believe it or not, she actually partook in the sale of exotic cats, too. So both of these people have great flaws among them. They both have questionable people that have worked for them, perhaps questionable motives themselves. Uh, it's kind of plays into the larger dynamic, albeit more controversially to the extremes of what you would say uh, animal rights are. You have the PETA supporting types like Carol Baskin, who used to not be that way. And then you have Joe exotic who in turn is just this reckless guy. He doesn't practice firearm safety whatsoever. He is shown to be abusing his animals towards the end of the documentary. So you have two, very extreme people who are partaking in this big cat rescue conservation in a Facebook post. I'm surprised he has uh, access to social media. This is Joe Exotic. Going back to this, he has said that this lawsuit has been filed in the name of justice. The Trump administration must be aware of the overreach, perjury, abuse of power, and the failure to uphold their oath of position, which is truth and justice for all. And he is namely suing the agencies. Uh, previously uh, the former U.S. Fish and Wildlife Director Dan Ash saying that he used his government position to create an illicit monopoly with the American Zoological Association and shut down hardworking American businesses for self-gain. I've been illegally charged with these crimes and the Trump administration the United States Department of Interior along with the Federal Wildlife Service must be held accountable for what they have done to me, my parents, and my family along with my animals. Thank you and please share. And I'll include that in the show notes, as bizarre as that is. First, I want to discuss whether or not it is moral to own exotic animals and what i think about that two about any pending legislation relating to private ownership of big cats and three just kind of uh maybe some openings for people in hunting and true conservation efforts to perhaps uh kind of do what we've done with other species and help for the first point i should say i think as long as someone is accredited uh, they don't have any criminal past they follow the laws perhaps they are accredited with the American Zoological Association or within state and federal laws to let's say not engage in the sale of exotic cats, but perhaps engage in, The preservation of animals, let's say like the San Diego Zoo, I think is one of the best arbiters of conservation when it comes to exotic species. There are some private preserves in the United States. I've been to a handful, one, namely the Yellowstone bear world, I think does a good job. I haven't seen anything questionable from them. And second would be the wildlife refuge I went to in Thurmont, Maryland, which has a lot of exotic species. And they seem to do a good job of taking retired zoo animals that may have been displaced or coming from the zoos and and they go to this place as a final refuge. You don't really see much of abuse there, but I think there can be a debate over whether or not um, certain people should be in possession. I don't think people like Joe exotic, especially in revelation of them not treating their animals. Well, people like that do a disservice to let's say those of us who have questions about PETA and their morality and their tactics. He's not a good representative. I would say he's entertaining. I will admit that. But he definitely did commit a lot of ESA abuses and Lacey Act abuses. It's hard to dispute that. It's it's namely laid out in the documentary. He's not really being framed. He did engage in some pretty bad practices And then you also see that Carol Baskin, people like her, want to dominate big cat conservation, which is also problematic, too. So I think um, as long as people are within the confines of the law, they have the proper accreditation, uh, they should be able to house these animals in a legal and safe way. And obviously... Uh, be routinely checked by the USDA, Fish and Wildlife Service, and do that. Uh, Because there are many people that go into conservation efforts with good intentions. They're not like Joe Exotic or Carol Baskin. Uh, They go into about it with the right reasons, and they want to help, and they want to help increase numbers. And I'll talk more about this in the third point that you see this with exotic species like a lot of african wild species that are kind of in the cervid or deer family a lot of oryx uh, so maybe that can be transferred to big cats and you can see kind of a proliferation of exotic threatened and endangered species kind of coming back in the united states like they have in texas with certain exotic species there there's also the big cat act which congress is deliberating. It's always been presented in Congress, but it never really has made any traction. I haven't really seen any indication that this would pass. It does have some bipartisan support, namely from Democrats that are key sponsors, but you see a few Republicans uh, also lending their support, Senator Richard Burr, and then also Senator Martha McSally, two Republicans who have signed on as co-sponsors. And then you also see a related House bill getting some support as well, But it, it doesn't seem to have a lot of bandwidth right now, but essentially what they would want to do with this bill, basically amending what breeding means to negligently or intentionally facilitate propagation or production of and to prevent propagation or reproduction of and to amend what prohibitions include and whether or not it's unlawful to import, export, transport, sell, receive, acquire or purchase any prohibited wildlife species through interstate or foreign commerce in a manner substantially affecting interstate or foreign commerce to breed or possess any prohibited wildlife species. So they would want to increase penalties for captive wildlife offenses. Actually, uh, what the big cat safety public act would do if passed is it would revise requirements for re- governing the trade of big cats, specifically lions, tigers, leopards, cheetahs, jaguars, or cougars, or any hybrid of such species, and revise restrictions on the possession and exhibition of big cats, including restrict direct contact between the public and big cats. So I don't know if because of this documentary, this is going to have more bandwidth, if it's going to pass, what the likelihood of that passing is, uh, but because you see a lot of the public reaction is sympathy for the guy currently in jail and not so much his nemesis. So I don't know if this is going to pass because you see that in different states that you can technically have tigers. I would recommend that you don't unless you have proper accreditation to own tigers, but they say according to certain paralegal websites that there are different laws according to different States owning a pet tiger, according to one source that I'm listing is considered legal or unregulated in eight States, all of which have either lax regulatory laws concerning animal rights in general. And they list that North Carolina, Alabama, Delaware, Nevada, Oklahoma, South Carolina, West Virginia, and Wisconsin are pretty lenient. And then they say that 14 other states require a permit to own a tiger or another big cat, meaning that half, state, half the states in the United States accept pet tigers on a legal basis. That is really interesting. So you can find information there. I think as long as uh, private institutions are in the confines of the law they are dealing with wildlife biologists, let's say in a zoo setting and people are well-intentioned. I see no problem in owning exotic cats as long as you do it for the right reasons. However, I don't think seeing having the extremes of let's say a Carol Baskin or a Joe exotic uh, meet that criteria. But as long as it's legal, uh, it should be done. I mean, people get to learn about imperiled species through zoos and through wildlife preserves. And then a third point I want to make more briefly, is that perhaps hunters and other true conservationists could create, let's say organizations that help imperiled big cat species, whether they're tigers, lions, jaguars, bobcats, mountain lions, although mountain lions and bobcats have proliferated in the United States quite well uh, due to hunting quotas, uh, limits on hunting, and just seeing uh, those measures going into place. But maybe there could be something in terms of mountain lion and bobcat efforts more defined, along the true conservation confines and not so much those on the preservationist confines. Briefly, I want to talk about how firearm manufacturers and ammunition companies are now deemed essential businesses. This document from the Department of Homeland Security through the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is titled Identification of Essential Critical Infrastructure Workers During COVID-19 Response. And essentially what a critical infrastructure worker is is uh, a list that's intended to help state local tribal and territorial officials as they work to protect their communities while ensuring continuity of functions critical to public health and safety as well as economic and national security and it goes on to say decisions informed by this list should also take into consideration additional public health considerations based on the specific covid19 related concerns of particular jurisdictions and you can find where Firearms manufacturers and ammunition companies are listed as essential workers on page six of the 15 page advisory and what they deem under the law enforcement, public safety and other first responder section on page six, which I will link for you, uh, lists quote workers supporting the operation of firearm or ammunition product manufacturers, retailers, importers, distributors and shooting ranges. And the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the trade association that oversees a lot of these companies or represents these companies at large, Uh, Larry Keene, who is the senior vice president and general counsel, was quoted as saying this as to why they praise the move. And he is quoted as saying, quote, we are deeply appreciative to the Trump administration and Department of Homeland Security for recognizing the vital role our industry fulfills in our nation, he said. We have seen over the past week hundreds of thousands even millions of Americans choosing to exercise their right to keep and bear arms to ensure their safety and the safety of loved ones during these uncertain times Americans must not be denied the ability to exercise that right to lawfully purchase and acquire firearms during times of emergency this guidance from the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency CISA is crucial to governors and local officials as they craft the orders to preserve public health end quote some people may think that firearms businesses and ammunition companies don't provide a critical essential service. But when push comes to shove, I think that will be greatly disproven. And we see more people, especially those in the Asian community, buying firearms in wake of the coronavirus. So it is interesting and I think notable to see DHS do that. And I think it should be applauded. Uh, because they are helping people and can convert some of their functions to perhaps produce technologies that are needed to fight off uh, COVID-19. I understand that was a long-winded discussion about kind of wildlife conservation thinking to Tiger King and also the designation of firearm and ammunition companies as essential businesses in wake of COVID-19, but I hope you found that to be informative and interesting. If you like what you heard, feel free to share the podcast. Encourage your friends to subscribe, to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if they have Apple Podcasts to go on that platform, to uh, download some episodes, especially this past one, to leave reviews if you've found this to be compelling, and to share it across different mediums so we can reach more people. I know I've been largely doing monologues uh, in these last few weeks, but I'm going to do my best to bring on some more guests in the coming weeks, especially... As we continue to be kind of confined to our homes, I think it'll be interesting to bring on people who are doing really good things and I'm going to do my best to seek them out and record some episodes. So you guys don't just routinely hear my voice and me spouting off on different things, but thank you for listening. Uh, Check out that documentary. If you are interested just to see how wild it is and support your businesses, support hunting, fishing and shooting sports businesses as best as you can and other businesses you, you see fit and stay, stay positive. Uh, Hopefully we'll, we'll get through this soon and we can all go enjoy the outdoors sooner than later.